I'm Brent McGarry. This week on The Couch Potatoes, my co-host here can hardly contain his excitement as he prepares for war. I'm Jeff Braun, and yeah, I'm thinking I'm back, Brett, as is John Wick in Chapter 3, Parabellum. And Daenerys Targaryen brings fire and blood to King's Landing. So let's kick this week off with our thoughts on the penultimate episode of Game of Thrones. Sunday night's episode of Game of Thrones was perhaps the deadliest to date, and it was definitely the most watched. HBO says 18.4 million people tuned in on Sunday to watch The Bells, and that's a record for the series and HBO. Previous best was the big battle episode two weeks ago, The Long Night, watched by 17.8 million the night of. And that number's going to grow. HBO says when delayed viewing is factored in, season eight so far is averaging an astonishing 43 million viewers per episode, 10 million more than season seven. The final episode of Game of Thrones airs Sunday night. Jason Nathanson, ABC News, Hollywood. So, Jeff Braun, what'd you think? Well, spoilers, spoiler alert for one thing if you haven't watched it yet, but yeah, I I thought it was awesome. It looked amazing. It was easily the best looking episode of the entire series. Like, they, what, I don't know if they give breakdowns of their budget, but it looks like they clearly spent the most money on this past episode. We've been waiting for dragon action for so long. We've had it in dribs and drabs here, and then this last episode, it was just paid off like you wouldn't believe. It was, it was mostly dragon action, I would say. Um, I don't know. People are upset that the lady who threatened to kill everyone and anyone in her way started killing everybody in her way. I thought it was awesome. I, I loved it. She went nuts, and it was just, it was it was wild and bonkers, and it went on probably a little bit too long, uh, but I find that for, to be the case for most of the battles on Game of Thrones, but it, it was a, a, just a, a insane episode, and that's, that's what I want from this show. Yeah, it was uh, spectacular. It was thrilling, surprising, gorgeous. The tension and the dread at the beginning, or near the beginning of the battle, uh, was so intense. Like, when Euron Greyjoy is on his ship, and you, there, there's just that, like, sort of loud kind of droning music. Yeah. Like, I was watching it, uh, I have these sort of surround sound headphones that I use, so I can, so I don't have to turn it up super loud in my apartment. And it was just, like, making my heart beat so fast, because I knew that something was about to happen. But they didn't quite get to it just yet. But I do have some issues the, with this I, episode. I would also say, though, the music throughout was above what it usually is. It was, like, just... Unza, 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 pounding music at the beginning, especially when the armies were attacking. I was like, this is nuts. Yeah, I've, I have some issues, though. Uh, well, the first one ended up was the Iron Fleet, uh, because we, we surmised that Euron Greyjoy was looking to the sky, and they hinted even in, with the sound that he was looking up at a dragon. Right. And there were all sorts of wild theories out there, like, what is he looking at? Is he looking at more dragons? Like, was Rhaegal somehow resurrected? Or are well, we going to see Drogon wearing armor? Uh, that the scorpions can't pierce, but no, it turns out it's just just Daenerys riding Drogon. It's lost in Breaking Bad syndrome, where people just, their imagines run wild with them, and then the TV show's like, look it, it's just the next part of our TV show. You people are taking this too far. Yeah, but what, what, what bothered me is that here she comes to attack the fleet in virtually the same shot where she first dive-bombed the fleet when they took down Rhaegal, right. and she's going right at them, and then she had to bank away because they opened fire, and like a, a whole bunch of giant arrows go in the air. Well, she does the same thing here, dive bombs the fleet. They know she's coming, 
and they got two shots off. Yeah. And I paused the screen and I, I tried to count the fleet. I gave up after like 40 ships because I wasn't even in half the screen. So there's over 100 ships in this fleet and they got two shots and she still and decimates them. And she fried them. every one of them. Yeah, yeah, she just decimates them in seconds. And that's like, I'm not unhappy that the Iron Fleet got their, their yeah, yeah, just yeah. desserts. I was happy to see them go, but that kind of bothered me. There's still a, a tremendous visual and you're on Greyjoy, such a jerk. I hate that guy. I mean, that's the point. He's a great, great heel, great villain. He was a good villain. Like he's a, a f- I thought he was a fun villain to watch. This show has had so many just absolutely miserable villains, like uh, the little king guy. What's his Joffrey? Joffrey and yeah. the other guy from the Battle of the Bastards. Oh, uh, Ramsay. Yeah. Those guys, I didn't, it wasn't fun watching them. They were just too miserable for me to enjoy them. So yeah. this guy was a little bit more fun. Yeah, he had some char- some charisma yeah. to him. Had like this kind of weird Jack Sparrow yeah. kind of flair. Pirate fun. But and, and as far as the turn with Daenerys, like the battle is won and then she decides to burn it all down anyway. <laughs> And I know, listen, they've been hinting towards this, uh, like, for years now, because there have been numerous occasions where she has wanted to kill everyone or hurt everyone, and then her advisors have to pull her back. But generally, her anger towards killing everybody has never been towards innocence. So I do understand why people are upset, but she doesn't have her closest advisors here uh, anymore. Like Jorah's gone, Masande's gone. Yeah, She's unhappy with Tyrion. Dead, and other people betrayed her. So she was loose cannon that way. Plus, the the show like they just don't have time. They, with six episodes and all this story to tell, they had a for whatever reason cut some corners. Like I was the other thing that on that same sort of issue I thought was with Arya and the Hound. In season two, the whole season would have been them walking from Winterfell to King's Landing. Yeah. And here they did it in like part of one scene kind of thing and that was it. So the show just, you know, they skip over parts now and just get to the point and when you're racing to the end like that you sort of have to yeah and i'm going to wait to pass full judgment on the so-called heel turn for daenerys because we still need to see that final episode to see if it pieces together but her turn towards anger in the context of this episode and i understand why people are upset it didn't quite work for me i just feel like something was missing like there's that shot where she's on drogon's back and she looks mad you know the bells are ringing surrender the the city has surrendered but she's looking at the red keep and uh, it's clear she's overcome by anger. I believe it was her family who built the Red Keep. And then the family gets cast out. Her father's killed. Her brother's killed. And she just wanted to burn it down. But I feel like they could have just had a quick moment where maybe she talks to herself and says something like, these people don't love me. Look at them flee. John doesn't love me. This place killed my family. They don't want a loving queen. Fine, I'll give them their mad queen and take what's mine. And then have her start burning. Or or have her do something like where she goes, uh, have her go back. Like go back to her throughout the assault. Like we never saw her face after sh- that initial shot, and then it was just watching the dragon burn. The thing I read was that the dragon represented her anyway, so they didn't have to show her. I guess I don't know. the The part that irritated me more was that uh, Cersei didn't do anything all season. She stood at the window and looked. Like yeah. literally, what else did that? She was such an interesting character in the first seven seasons, and then she she didn't even talk a whole lot in this one. She was out of a few episodes, and so I was like, oh, that's a kind of an underwhelming thing. Yeah, that's true. And uh, you know, we we just saw her staring smugly for the most part. I think she said in that last uh, the second last episode, "If you have any final words, now is the time." Yeah. Um, I yeah. So I don't know. I. I I I get what they were trying to do didn't quite work for me. It was and it was 
it was such a shock. And I, I just sat there, my heart sank because I was thinking, don't burn it down. Don't burn it down. Be better than that. But she did it. But that's war, and it, it, it showed the you know how awful war is, particularly in this sort of a time frame where a city is sacked and people are rampaging through the streets just killing at will. Uh, I didn't like Jamie Lannister returning to Cersei, you know, it, although I'm a little torn on that, because on one side, what was the point of his years of seeking redemption and his character made such a dramatic recovery and changed his ways only to go back to Cersei? But I suppose you could argue... Well, hey, this isn't like other TV shows. Sometimes people disappoint us in real life and go back to their old ways. So I guess that's what Jamie did. Clagane Bowl! Did you get hype? Uh, I, I, it was fine. I, <laughs> what's the, I didn't. I couldn't remember what the deal with the the mountain was. Like, was he a zombie or something? Yeah, he. Well, like, how did he, he get died. stabbed in the face and not? Yeah, because he died in the uh, when he when he in the, the the trial by combat or whatever when he went up against the prince from Dorne. Oh yeah, yeah. So it, that's when he crushed oh, his the head guy from Narcos. Yeah, but yeah. he had been stabbed by his poison spear or whatever, and uh, or was that was the spear poison? And he used some black magic to bring him back to life. Yeah. So then the Kyburn, the the hand of the queen, he was able to bring the mountain back through some sort of weird Frankensteinish <laughs> magic, and now he's a monster. It was a good fight. Yeah, it was cool, and I know that the book fans generally hate the whole Clegane Bowl thing but I don't care I thought it was cool and the shot where you see the, the the hound like where it's sort of at the bottom of the stairs and you look up and you see the hound looking up towards the mountain was just so beautiful they really did that nicely and then for them to find the way that they both went out I thought was really exciting yeah that looked cool I liked the, the falling off the edge there that was awesome I yeah. mean clearly with the dragon flying around they weren't going to live through the day anyway yeah. so why not go out like that so that was last week what are you looking forward to this week i mean there's a lot of questions to be answered i don't know do you think there's a big fight at the end between daenerys and john or does Arya get another big kill and what are sansa and Tyrion and Bronn and davos and bram going to do well let's answer that question next you're listening to the couch potatoes Welcome back to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. We are talking Game of Thrones. We just dissected last week's episode, and now the finale's coming up. Brett, what are you expecting this weekend? Well, the prediction is that Arya will kill Daenerys Targaryen yeah. based on Melisandre's prophecy, where she says, I see you snuffing out many lives, brown eyes, blue eyes. Oh. That's what prompted her to go after the Night King. And then she also said green eyes. And who has Daenerys green said? eyes? Daenerys Targaryen has green eyes. Mm. And especially after seeing the look on Arya's face in that teaser where she looks mad because she just witnessed so much carnage <laughs> and death. So now I feel like she is going to be some sort of Avenger here. So that's a possibility. And I really want to see, though, resolution on Bran. And I realize maybe I'm focusing on a nonsense detail here, but they spent so much time in that particular storyline. If they don't resolve it, at least like put some sort of a closure on it, then you got to go. Well, what was the point? Like yeah. with Jamie, we watched him go like change, 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 and then ultimately he went back to his old ways, and that's the end of his story. And that's fine. I can accept that. But with Bran, if they don't go back to that, and like he he has to be important to this somehow. And I would still like to know a little bit more about the Night King. Like I'm guessing that's going to be just this thing that doesn't get answered but hopefully they can they can tie both of those up in one sort of tidy bow somehow hmm. and have it I don't know have it have it linked back to the iron throne who knows but that's what that's what I want to see what happens with Bran or why did he matter so much now are you going to temper your expectations or is finale hype going to get you Brett cuz finale hype can really 
get people. I'm trying to temper. I mean, I haven't been disappointed with anything they've done so far. Like truly disappointed or angry. Like the last week's episode. People are saying that was like the worst episode there was. The internet is ridiculous. They, and they were going, no matter what they do at the end of Game of Thrones, Monday morning is going to be just an angry internet because they won't. it won't be exactly what was in people's mind and that gets people mad. Yeah, so I, I, I've been okay with it. When a show, I've said this before about The Walking Dead, when a show gets this big, and this is way bigger than The Walking Dead ever was, but when it gets this big, it's impossible to please everyone and everybody wants to jump out and... and complain about how they've written these characters like like somehow they've taken ownership of these characters yeah. and the the main writers who have been behind <laughs> these characters for eight years don't know anything and also remember that George R. R. Martin gave these guys the broad strokes yeah. of what the store where he was going with the story so as far as we know and understand this is George R. R. Martin's Vision And his favorite thing to do is upset the audience because in those first four years of based on his writings, he just loved kill. Oh, you guys like Ned Stark? He's dead. Oh, yeah. you like so-and-so? They're dead, right? So yeah. he, he lives to, you know, sort of poke people in the brain with stuff like that. So and, and, and then there's the no matter how it ends, if people don't like it, then it's a, oh, you ruin, well, you ruin my life for one thing. But will a, if you don't like the ending, does that ruin Game of Thrones for you? Oh, boy. That is a tough one. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to answer. You can wait and see if you like it or not. Yeah, I guess so. We'll ha- I'll, I'll have to, to see. I, 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 am, I'm, I am fully prepared to be unhappy with the ending because they've said it's going to be bittersweet. Like, I'm not expecting a happy ending. So, yeah. So they say, that, yeah, plus you'll just be bummed because it's the end. So that yeah. sort of clouds how you feel about Because I find when I go back years later, I often flip-flop on finales especially. So Yeah. So, I mean, hey, these guys spent the last eight years trying to keep this show going. No one ever thinks about how they got to end it until they have to end it. So they're not used to doing an ending. They're used to doing a continuation. That's Game the nature of, of television. Game of Thrones wraps up this weekend, and we'll have our full debrief. There's also, uh, but even though the show ends next week, they're going to have like a two-hour documentary the following week on the May 26th. I think it's called The Last Watch. Oh. So there's still more Game of Thrones in your immediate future. <laughs> Game of Thrones isn't the only thing ending this week, of course. It is that time of year in general. This past week saw the bulk of the other shows wrapping up, and by this time next week, nearly everything on the network and cable slates will have been cleared but we got some finales coming up starting this weekend on the 18th saturday saturday night live paul rudd and uh dj khaled dj dj khaled we the best music so it's not dj kaled Kaled. Yes, he's he's a DJ Khaleesi. He's a bunch of green awful vegetable. <laughs> so that's the SNL wrap up on Saturday. On Sunday, America's funniest home videos. Yep, still on, ending this season on Sunday, along with Supergirl, American Idol, NCIS Cool J, and <laughs> Barry. I guess Barry's gonna run right before Game of Thrones, I would imagine. Yep. Or does it run after? Runs before? Uh, I can't remember. I, I gotta know. get into that show at some point. Apparently it's really good. Yep. On Monday, Legends of Tomorrow. On Tuesday, NCIS Original Recipe, Blackish and the Voice on Wednesday, Chicago Med, Fire, and PD, Whiskey Cavalier, which is a new show that's getting a lot of hype, and SEAL Team. Which uh, show is getting a lot of hype? Whiskey, Whiskey Cavalier. Yeah, it's getting a, it got canceled. Did it? Yeah. Oh, well, its, its been, reviews were good. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> not going to survive into right, a so second season. Last chance for Whiskey Cavalier next Wednesday. Hey, we got a couple of minutes here. You want to talk some home video? Yeah, sure. 
We're hiring a life auxiliary. What is that? I need assistance. I can only move my neck. You can move your mouth. As can you. A job he never expected. You're waterboarding me. You are not qualified for this position. Have you ever changed a catheter? Mm. I can't feel it. Well, I can't. Became a friendship he never imagined. I get treated like I'm invisible. Welcome to my world. Which car is yours? All of these to the right. Oh, my God. They're not practical. Exactly. <laughs> the Upside. Rated PG-13. Uh, it's uh, sort of like an odd couple comedy drama, The Upside, starring Walter Cranston, Walter Roll Cranston, Walter White, a.k.a. Brian Cranston, <laughs> vice versa, and Kevin Hart. And I saw it in theater, and I gave it three out of five. It said it was a good renter, and now's your chance to rent it. And it's out on Blu-ray and DVD on Tuesday, along with How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. That's the third one, right? Yep. And that uh, rom-com, Isn't It Romantic? Is that with Rebel Wilson? With Rebel Wilson, That's yeah. the one where she's trapped in a romantic comedy. Like. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah, How to train your dragon the hidden world i said i needed to go see it in theaters and i didn't and i'm going to regret that one because i love the first movie love the second movie and i was really looking forward to this third one but for whatever reason i just can't quite compel myself to get out to the theaters for the most part but i can compel myself to go see avengers endgame twice and maybe a third time in the future although i uh, will be going to see john wick and godzilla and yeah. actually up next we're going to talk about john wick we mentioned earlier in the show jeff braun is preparing for war well that translates to parabellum the title of the third film details next Next, you're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff, he's Brett, and we're going to talk some movies now. My most anticipated movie of the year shoots its ways into theaters this weekend. Keanu Reeves stars in John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum. You have no idea what's coming. Mr. Wick broke the rules. I trust you understand the repercussions if he survives. John Wick, excommunicado, is now in effect. You shouldn't be here. Nice suit. Good to see you too. Wick is on the run from all the other hitmen in their little assassin universe, so he seeks help from Halle Berry, who shoots him on sight and is generally not pleased to see him. He also returns to the Continental, hoping that Ian McShane and Lance Reddick will help him. Our service is still off limits to me. What do you need? Guns. Lots of guns. And like the other two John Wicks, it'll probably mostly be a lot of shooting, and I can't wait. All of this for what? Because of a puppy? Wasn't just a puppy. I got very into John Wick when that second one came out. I actually watched the first one for the first time on the opening weekend of John Wick Chapter 2, and the next day ran to the theater to see that sequel. I loved both. I've watched both several times at this point. Brett, you were lucky you got in on the ground floor, right? Yeah, I went to see it in that opening month, maybe even the opening weekend. The first one. Yeah, the first one, and then uh, I was very excited about the second one. Uh, but your excitement uh, was able to uh, overtake mine around the turn. So, <laughs> Oh, I, um, I mean... 
it's probably too soon to like rush to judgment on this as it's a, like an ongoing series and who knows how many more they'll make. Keanu's 54 years old right now. It's a physically demanding role, but I'm sure he's got a couple more in it. But I, as I keep thinking, it's like, where am I going to put this on the list of best action franchises ever? And it's it's keeps climbing its way to the top with each one. Well, I saw one review the other day that, that put it, they said, other than the Mission Impossible franchise, this is the best action franchise Hollywood has going right now. Currently, I would definitely agree with that. I think, uh, yeah, it's Tufts call against Mission Impossible. And in the overall scheme of things, it'll you'll have to wait to see how it all finishes, see if there's if they do go like seven deep and there's like three stinkers at the end or something, you know what I mean? Because Die Hard still might be number one for me, even though that fifth one's no good. Yeah, I still haven't seen that fifth one. Yeah, I bought it on Blu-ray years ago and it's still uh, got shrink wrap around it so really? i haven't even opened it saw it once in theater and my friend and i tried to convince ourselves on the drive home that it was a good movie well i mean it's been hovering in the mid 90s on rotten tomatoes and that would make it the best reviewed by far of the series the first john wick had i mean solid reviews 90 or 87 percent uh john wick i'm just looking up john wick chapter two uh 89 so they're they're all excellently yeah. reviewed films and they're and they're sort of you know i think that speaks to the higher rating for the third one that it's they're appreciated more at more after time as time goes on and people saw it and maybe didn't get it right away and saw it again it's like hey wait a minute they're really onto something here it's just the the ballet of violence is astonishing yeah like i, I still i and i recently re-watched the movies and uh, I watched John Wick on blu-ray and actually because i have been meaning to watch both of these films for a long time Approaching the threequel, yep. Because I own the first one on Blu-ray. The second one has been available on Crave. I think the first John Wick's on Netflix, but the second one has been on Crave. So I was going to watch it on Crave. Well, I go to pull it up the other day, and it's gone. Oh, <laughs> like I have it on. I, I have the Shaw Blue Sky, and I just you know say John Wick Chapter Two on into the remote, and then it pulls it up, and if it's available for rent or on Crave or Netflix or whatever yeah, yeah. format whatever it has access to. Right. But it just said rent four ninety nine. I could rent it in English or French for four ninety nine. But there was no free option. There was no crave. Those crafty SOBs <laughs> must have pulled it just in time for I the threequel because they knew there'd be people like me who wanted to rewatch it, and they're going to make them pay. Oh, so I paid. Yeah, I get it. Nah, so I paid the five is, bucks and I rented it. That's brutal. I still like the first one better. I mean, the second one. I think I enjoyed the second one more the second time around. Not that I didn't enjoy it the first time around. I think I just found the sequel. So overwhelming because the first one, I loved its simplicity yeah. and it just kind of gave us a glimpse into this mysterious world of assassins. And then in, in the second one, I felt like they just sort of beat us over the head with all of the layers that they've got in this weird, bizarre underworld. And I sort of think the third one might be more of that. Yeah. Because, uh, well, because you they because like what sequel tends goes backwards none of them right they every time they do a sequel for anything they just keep building and building on top of it so hopefully that the build and build on the action as well and because honestly, I, I, I like the second one better, but I also feel like that second one that there's like a, it feels like a half hour section before the catacomb scene where it's like they could have put some more action into it. Yeah. It seems like, yeah, but that opening thing with getting his car back and that, that cracked me up all over again. Yeah, it was a, it was a good scene. And I mean, the, by all accounts, this third movie is the oh. best of the bunch. It has the best action. I mean, he's right. He's shooting people. <laughs> is he shooting Motorcycle people? Motorcycle ninjas or, or, and he's on a horse. Is this, Yeah. Does he have a sword in his hand or is it a gun? I can't remember. He's got, I think there's both because the guys come at him with a sword. So he definitely 
disarms one of them. Probably yeah. literally disarms somebody in this yeah. movie. <laughs> but he's always got, he's, always, he's never without four or five guns on him ready to go. And then he, he kills that guy with a book in the trailer too. So but there's going to be all sorts of interesting things to see. I'm very excited. I got my tickets already. I can't wait to go. Let's take a moment and appreciate. Is this the best weekend in the history of the Couch Potatoes? The Game of Thrones finale plus a new John Wick movie? Hmm. It's hard to top that. Yeah, I don't know. Well, yeah, I guess the Game of Thrones finale and the John Wick movie or Avengers Endgame and just Game of Thrones. Was on that weekend. Yeah. I don't know. That's a tough one. And what about the fact that Keanu Reeves, let's talk about this guy for a second. Keanu Reeves, before John Wick came along, it had been a while since we'd heard anything from him. A long while since, certainly since he'd been in something that was big and popular that a lot of people like, probably all the way back to the Matrix movies. Yeah. Did three of those and then sort of did a ton of terrible movies or stuff you never even heard of. And then you hear, you just, the title John Wick doesn't mean anything, right? Yeah. And then, but you're a Keanu guy, you like the Matrix so much, so you're you're like, I'll give him a shot. And you go and you got in on the ground floor, like we said, and he just launched another amazing thing. That's that's a that's a legit comeback. The Matrix was already a comeback of sorts, wasn't it? He was still famous all the way through, but he didn't really have a huge big movie since Speed. Well, yeah, I guess Speed and The Devil's Advocate yeah, uh, would be another which he, one, which, was he, which he did well in. He wasn't good in it. Yeah, it, the movie did was, it's fun. It's fun, Al Pacino. It's bad. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, no, I'm just I'm happy to see Keanu sort of on uh, on this comeback trail because I remember when John Wick came out, he talked about how he had been he was kind of bitter and sad, like he wanted to continue to do movies, but no studios would take a chance on him. So John Wick comes along as this independent film. They were probably happy yeah. to get somebody like Keanu on board. And I didn't go see John Wick specifically because of Keanu Reeves. I just went because it looked wild, and it yeah, it happened to have Keanu, and he works so hard, and I have so much respect for Keanu. In spite of the fact that I have often criticized his acting, because I I, I find at times I, he's either great and stuff or he's really bad. But I just the work ethic. Like if you just Google Keanu Reeves gun training or stuff like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. that the, he when he does the stuff that he does on screen, you believe that Keanu Reeves could go out potentially and be. A John Wick. Yeah. And he said he did like, I think, 95% of all the stunts in these movies. They've like the odd time when John Wick gets hit by a car, they put somebody else in there because he's the star of the movie and you can't have him, you know, being hospitalized just yeah. because he wants, think that should look cool or whatever. So I, I agree. I have a ton of respect for the guy too in that regard. And he seems like just the nicest guy whenever you see him interviewed or anything like that. So yeah, Keanu and... He does have his bad movies, but when he's good, he's really good. He's like, like I've noticed it with recently when I saw the Terminator movies with yeah. Schwarzenegger. I was like, this is where he belongs because he doesn't talk. And Schwarzenegger can't deliver lines, but he does awesome as his cyborg because you don't have to be a good talking actor for that. And yeah. John Wick's a man of few words and a fewer emotions, so that works there too. And some guys are just like that. And I also recently this year saw, I talked about it, I think, I saw Point Break for the first time. Oh, yeah, nice. And he does a little, you know, shemacting in that too, but it still fits. And it was a 
terrific movie. That's amazing. Yeah, Point Break is a great movie. And with yeah, there was also the the clip. I don't know if you saw his interview with Stephen Colbert this week, yeah. but a lot of people were talking about that because he caught Colbert off guard because they were talking about how Bill and Ted uh, face the music and it's they have to write this song and the entire universe, the fate of the universe yeah. hinges on them writing this Very song. Silly. And then uh, so either they write the song and save the universe or everyone dies. And Colbert just randomly says, "What do you think happens when we die, Keanu?" And Keanu kind of pauses for a second and he says something like, I think the ones who love us will miss us. Yeah. And then Stephen Colbert almost burst into tears, you could tell. Both those guys have had, if you go and read their biographies, they've both had some hard deaths in their lives to deal with. So that was a touching moment. Yeah, it was. And Keanu is indeed the one of the nicest guys out there from what you, you hear. He uh, he shares, I think, a lot of his salary with the crew or he does a lot. He, he, like, he yeah. just shares his wealth and he goes out of his way to learn everyone's name. And he's not one of these big stars who is a diva. He is a genuine nice guy. So when you hear Keanu's a nice guy, it's because he actually is. And what, he was on that plane at the little airport in California a, like a month ago and... I can't remember something happened that and he they couldn't get off the runway or whatever and he like made sure everyone rented a bus for everyone to get where they're going or something like that. Really? Something weird like that. Or the luggage was lost and they they couldn't or something. He was helping out people at an airport because they were all in the same terrible uh, flight situation that you sometimes find yourself in when you travel. Wow. Yeah. Man. Neo, he really is the one. <laughs> Up next, I'm going to tell you about a movie on, that I watched on Netflix, and I don't like watching Netflix original movies, but I had to watch this one. I'll tell you why next. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. Just going to quickly wrap up the Keanu story I was telling. This is from Time.com verbatim from March 26th. The John Wick actor was traveling from San Francisco to Burbank in Los Angeles when his United flight was forced to make an unexpected landing in Bakersfield. In video footage captured by his fellow passengers, reads the scene taking initiative to help revise the travel plans, eventually boarding a van with all the other passengers because at that point, driving to L.A. was faster than flying. Wow, good for him. <laughs> Such a I, I want to hang out with Keanu Reeves yeah. now. So hey, I normally try to stay away from Netflix movies these days. Most of the Netflix originals I've watched have been decent at best to straight up awful. Like Jeff, you like to make fun of me for how much I hate the Cloverfield Paradox. Yes. Awful. Oh. Terrible movie. So I know they've got some exceptions, like Roma, for example, the Oscar nominee. That was a Netflix original, right? Uh, I yeah, Sort of. A uh, foreign movie. But they made a deal before the guy made the movie that they would distribute it like Yeah. That. So this one intrigued me, given its cast and its premise, but also because my girlfriend wanted to watch it, and you're going to say no to your girlfriend on her birthday. Nope. Debuted on Friday, May 10th, Wine Country. <laughs> so much for bringing us all together. Happy birthday. Celebrating with a girls weekend, huh? When was the last time we were all together? We look so young. Wi-Fi here is very slow. You're just gonna have to talk to each other while drinking a ton of wine. What could possibly go wrong? Death. me. You're fired. The death of the old you to make way for the new. If you were to remain friends, you need to share the tough skins that have built up over time. No one's as close as they think. I made itineraries of everything we're going to do minute by minute. Follow me, guys. Let's go. 
I'm sorry, I get weird bossy energy on these trips. Oh, oh my God, God. No. not even. Guys, you don't that you much. So here's a description of wine country. In honor of Rebecca's 50th birthday, Abby plans a scenic Napa getaway with her best friend, longtime friends, workaholic Catherine, post-op Val, homebody Jenny, and weary mom Naomi are equally sold on the chance to relax and reconnect. Yet as the alcohol flows, real-world uncertainties intrude on the punchlines and gossip, and the women begin questioning their friendships and futures. A hilarious and heartfelt comedy directed by Amy Poehler, Wine Country co-stars Tina Fey, Jason Schwartzman, Cherry Jones, Anna Gasteyer, Paula Pell, Maya Rudolph, Emily Spivey, and Rachel Dratch. Now, I wasn't the one who picked the movie, like I said, but uh, so I wasn't excited about it at right. all at first. But when I saw who was in it, I reluctantly agreed to watch it. Turns out I stayed up to watch it, and she <laughs> fell asleep not even halfway in. So here's how Rotten Tomatoes summarizes it with its 66% rating. Wine Country's comedy might not be quite as robust as fans of this ensemble will expect, but it's got sweetness on the nose and a nicely balanced finish. So many wine puns. Somebody's talents are being wasted over at Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, I like the wine sort of tie-in there. <laughs> and I would agree this was good, not great, but it was fun, and... And the chemistry in this cast is so good. But the six main people are all Saturday Night Live alum, either as stars or writers. Uh, Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, Maya Rudolph, all stars. Anna Gasteyer as well. Emily Spivey, who plays Jenny, has been a writer on SNL before, along with Paula Pell, who was hilarious in this movie. I think she was actually sort of the breakout star of this. There were many good jokes, although it was bordering on too foul at some points. Like, are we getting old? Because you you talked about dirty jokes being too dirty a couple weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, in long, long shot, shot, there was one. Yeah, I don't know. Amy Poehler, Poehler, sorry, has a famously filthy mouth. Well, you should the Parks and Rec DVDs are rated G, except that they got the bloopers on there that aren't beeped out, and it's insane. Nice. And listen, I'm fine with profanity. I welcome it. And I use a lot of profanity when I'm not in front of a microphone. But just so much of it I found to be gratuitous and just felt unnecessary. And when that's the case, then it just takes away from the jokes because it becomes distracting at times. I mean, it's not all profane. There's there's actually probably really in the grand scheme of this movie, there's very little of it. But there there's enough of it that it kind of made me go, well, that was juvenile. But that's okay, because the cast was so great and it was a touching story in a beautiful setting this woman is turning 50 she's trying to ignore it instead turning her attention to her friends because i believe she's a therapist that's rachel dratch's character so uh that's what she does she she's a therapist amy poehler plays someone who wants desperately for the weekend to go well she's mapped it all out maya rudolph is maya rudolph charming and funny she sings a lot but she gets really serious when she has to uh cherry jones only has one scene but she nails it as a tarot card reader she makes everything she's in great i think it eventually got weighed down in the end by just how predictable it was but it was a nice light story the wine jokes were great watching all the people who actually are serious about wine trying to chase after these six women who just want to get drunk (laughs) is uh is amusing and this movie was amusing mostly forgettable but it was fun so i would give it three couch cushions out of five for wine country so that's all the time we've got this week next week jeff braun has a review of john wick chapter three parabellum i'm brett he's jeff we are the couch potatoes Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother.